0: Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. Today is the day before Thanksgiving. It's a little different in our production schedule, but of course, tomorrow being the holiday, doing it day early. Also, in two days, it's Black Friday. Very important for those in the retail and e commerce industry. And for many shoppers at the end of this week, retail will be on the mind. And it'll be a madhouse going through the mall trying to get that deal on that TV or whatever you want. And so today's interview talks about retail, specifically those stores, plenty of them. But we're not talking with a specific retailer. We're talking with Dan Hodges. Now, Dan is the founder and CEO of a company called Retail Store Tours. And through it, he teaches luxury shoppers, executive teams and more about how to look at retail differently, specifically the physical location and the experiences that can be had within. I thought it was an interesting angle to take because while so many brands are looking to build their customer experience in fact in many cases it's meshing with their marketing efforts a lot of it's happening digitally and some of those efforts especially from direct to consumer are starting to trickle into the brick and mortar landscape so knowing that he is an expert in this field specifically an expert in knowing where innovations are happening in retail i thought to bring him on ask him a few questions I've never talked to a tour guide of a retail store before, but I certainly learned how to take this Black Friday and look at my surroundings just a little bit differently. I'll let him explain more fully in the interview, which I'll leave you to now. From Retail Store Tours, this is Dan Hodges. Alright everybody, a little bit of a different one today, because I normally uh, am on with brands specifically. But today i got a guy who talks with brands all the time, and actually teaches them things that they might otherwise never have done. He takes them on tours specifically. We'll talk about that in a second. But I'm here with Dan Hodges, the founder and CEO of Retail Store Tours. Thanks so much for joining. Adam, it's
1: great to be here. So why don't you tell me a little bit about why you got into store tours as a business? Well, it's a little bit of a story and it's not a straight line. Okay. So I'll start. Yeah, I'm a visionary and being a visionary is a blessing and a curse. It's because you see things 10 10 years in the future and no one else does. So- in 2010, I had the opportunity to meet with Hillary Clinton's chief innovation officer and told her about the, the impact of mobile for education and disaster relief. And like most things in mobile, it was a good conversation, but you know, I was very happy to have that meeting. So uh, she said, thanks very much, Dan. Uh, I called my wife and said, well, at least I got it off my chest. About four days later, I was uh, in Los Angeles and I got a call from the State Department And they said, well, do you remember that uh, meeting we had last week where you said the phone could be used for disaster relief and education? And I said, yeah, it was last week. And she said, well, we just had an earthquake in Haiti. Can you help us? So I said, absolutely. So we got them a long code for disaster relief and and was very, very helpful. A good friend of mine uh, later on became very high up in the State Department. And um, she was a good friend, so I could tell her what I thought. And I said, you really need help in mobile. Let me help you. So she said, yes. So uh, so what I did uh, with, with the State Department was I invited them to Mobile World Congress in Barcelona around 2013. And I developed a program for them where they could meet people um, during the day that were leaders, attend sessions, meet exhibitors, and every night we would go to dinner and we'd have Great brands like Coke and Best Buy and Adidas that were very help very helpful regarding best practices. So anyway, um, when I was done with this, um, I was just working, you know, doing good work for the country. wasn't um, publicizing this. And and um, when I was done, I was done. It was only the State Department, me, and my wife. But about a year later, I got a call from two. CEOs. One was one of the largest banks and, and the other one was uh, a large fast food company to help them with a similar process. So um, I did. And so anyway, word of mouth got out that there's this person that can actually take an event and organize it in a way that you can actually get a lot of business value. So I'm almost there, Adam. It's, it's a long way to get there. Right. All right. So um, anyway, so I spoke at the NRF Big Show in 2015. Love the show. Phenomenal, and um, but I spent half a day lost. Um, so I talked to um, the NRF about forming a program called Expo Tours, and uh, we did. And it's a way for the retailers to navigate the show, and uh, we set basically the agenda based on what's important to them. And so when we completed our first year, almost done with the story, um, I asked for feedback, and I said, "Well, what can we do to improve the Expo Tours?" And they basically said. Really, um, they're good as they are, but can you get us in to see stores, retail stores, when we we're in New York? So that was the birth of the retail store tour program. It was not my idea. It was the idea of the retailers who were in New York and wanted to go out and see retail. Got it. So
0: retail approached you and said, "We want to see more retail," and so you put together these store tours. Now, I want to I want to dive in a little bit more about like why they would want to do that, but first you just marching these guys into retail stores i mean did these stores know that you're coming in i mean how how did that all start cuz i'm interested to know you you were presumably doing a little bit of business through this obviously but using their stores as sort of the theater for that how did that how did that mesh i mean did they like you doing that just walking into their store and
1: telling other people about the stuff they were getting paid to do every day well that's interesting cuz that was my biggest fear when we started the the exact that exact same thought was oh my goodness, we're going to be taking retailers into stores. Wouldn't they think this is competitive? Would they have the time for us? But it was actually just the opposite, which was the store managers and store officials said, no, this is great. Bring them into the stores. We want store traffic. And as it turns out, about 40% of the people that go on the tours who are retail executives actually go back to the stores and buy things. Right. So um, it's also a good way to... Um, to share best practices. So the retail industry is very open. And so it's a way for the retailers to, the ones that are hosting it, get feedback, get business. And for the people on the tour, it's an unmatched networking experience where they're 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 walking, they're learning and they're networking with either with 15 people from their own company or 15 strangers. So um, it's just the opposite. And, and one of the first things That underlined that was during our first year, we had someone go into Michelle Varian and spend $14,500 on jewelry. So um, it worked out better than we thought. Yeah, for sure. You would also, you would
0: basically, you're creating then an incentive for these folks, not only via the traffic, but obviously through that great data on people coming back and buying things. So it makes a little bit more sense now. But it also has me wondering on the other side, for the folks who you are hosting and showing all these places why the heck haven't they already seen some of these? Like, how come it took you coming in and saying, hey, this is important for them to, for them to realize, hey, this is important?
1: Well, that's interesting because I'm going to go back to the State Department, but don't worry, I won't be giving another 15-minute <laughs> dissertation on no, it. No,
0: that was all right. You only did like <laughs> three. That's okay. good.
1: But so our point of cur- curation is very informed. And so when we curate, we curate on a lot of different levels. We curate based on... The five senses, because we believe that successful retail today activates all five senses. We also we also found early that every store tour basically has ten components, and depending on who is attending, a CIO or a CTO wants something different from a CEO. Uh, people from China are looking at something different than people from the U.S. So we put a tremendous amount of research into every single uh, tour that we give and every tour we we give is customized and has a narrative. So what what I learned from the State Department was an intensive curation and preparation process that I just haven't seen anywhere on the market. And so what we routinely hear for the 3,000 people that we've done so far, and they almost always say this, You've changed the way I look at retail because when you walk into a store as sort of an untrained eye, you're missing about 90% of what's in front of you because you think it's a store, but it's much more. Got it. So all those
0: senses coming together, um, these sort of new things that you saw that maybe other people didn't see, that in total is what has made this a an eye opener for folks now and you've described this to me as a as a walking fun-filled learning experience um so how because here's the other thing because sometimes you know I'll walk into a store maybe in the case of yours people being excited about the extra traffic might imply that there wasn't so much traffic before and you look around maybe it doesn't look so super interesting how do you make it fun for these folks to walk around and explain this and obviously i'm um, what I'm trying to do here is stoke like how, how you are
1: in part an informer but also an entertainer really as part of this business. Well, I was a stand-up comic so maybe that helps with uh, with delivering, really? delivering short lines. Yeah, I guess so. But we go into a Brooks Brothers, for example, and when we, we go into Brooks Brothers and Hudson Yards, the first thing we talk about is its first cousin. And that store's first cousin is in Shanghai and I've been to Shanghai to that store. So what's interesting about the Brooks Brothers' Format, it's a lower format uh, in terms of square footage. And at Hudson Yards, it's getting a lot of mixed traffic international, residential, tourism, and local. So when you go into Brooks Brothers, you, for the untrained eye, you see a store with stuff hanging. But for the trained eye, you go in there and you look at the LED lights, and the LED lights make you look terrific. In fact, Phillips has a study that shows. LED lights, right, proper lighting keeps you in the store 17% longer. Um, When you go, when you look to your left, you'll see women's. When you look to your right, you'll see men's. You'll see them arranged in a very sequential way that takes all the stress out of selecting clothes. And because it's a, a format that's in a highly trafficked area, the salespeople are trained for short five-minute visits so you can go in, get your suit, and then pick it up or have it shipped to you. When you go into the second part of Brooks Brothers, what you'll see on the left and right are ties and shirts and accessories, all color-coordinated. So again, we're taking the stress out of retail. And my favorite part, and the part that maybe is a little bit weird for people who are first meeting me, I take them into the dressing room and we close the curtain. And because in that dressing room, with that curtain closed, it sound deadened. So it's you, the beautiful LED lights, and a wonderful mirror surrounded by green and brown. So the moment of truth, after Brooks Brothers has gotten you in the first part of the store and the second part of the store, that final moment of truth, they've invested a lot of money and thought into. So that when you go in there and you look at Adam, that's the Adam that want you want to buy the clothes that's on Adam. So, right. and so if you were to go buy Brooks Brothers, you'd say, nice store, where's next? But when you actually look at the science and the art of what they've done, It's absolutely stunning got it and last point is that when we look at the at the mirror and we hear or we don't hear the sound we're getting into a new trend an exciting trend we see in retail called mindfulness and so it's you the moment of truth the clothes you've selected and that moment of of uh, solitude where you can make the decision on those clothes
0: right that of course, mindfulness being something that uh, many folks in the the tech world and tech executives have, have been championing for a while, you're now seeing that this is being brought then into into brick and mortar in that experience. And I guess I, I hadn't thought thoroughly about like what that true full sensory experience can do, that removal of stress to make something uh, to make something fun in that way. You mentioned Brooks Brothers here and you featured them heavily in that in that answer. Who who are some of your favorites to walk through? I mean, who's doing this really well right now? Who's making that retail experience just top-notch?
1: There are many good examples, but I love beta. Uh, It's B8TA. And we visit them at Brookfield Place. We visit them at Hudson Yards and around the world. They are a business model that's based on data. So Adam, if you want to make the portable podcast kit, you you would market it at beta, and what you would pay is a subscription fee to have the Adams portable podcast product there. And the sales people who know 273 products will demonstrate that product to you, uh, for, for you, for customers. There are retail next beacons that have been a- adapted in the ceiling that are identifying how much time people are spending in front of Adams podcast kit. So you... As a, as a person who is in beta, are getting data. You're getting male, female. You're getting what price point this product sells at. You're getting how much time the sales um, uh, the salespeople demonstrate your product. So basically, they built a model, a retail model, based on data and experience. And beta is doing very very well. Anytime you go past any of the stores, um, it is packed. And it is one of our most difficult stores to get people out of when we take them in. Because there's so much stuff going on. It's so stimulating. And if you spend more than five minutes there, you will be there for 15 minutes. If you spend 15 minutes there, we're going to have a hard time extracting you. And um, and that's what we want. Because we've designed this based on the five senses, you are experiencing so much. And um, the five senses going was really important for me because... Um, going back to the state department, I had 96 hours with two people and I had to train, I had to get as much information as I possibly could in their brains in a way that could be absorbed in 96 hours. So I used the senses, I use personal connections, I use whatever trick I, I could to get information. And so at the end of these tours, which are two hours or two days, um, I'll, I'll tell people, well, that's it. And they'll say, oh, that, that, that's it. We have to go with it. Well, let's go. Let's have coffee. Let's go back shopping. Like, because people at the end of it, they've been, they realize how stimulated they've been and their brains are relatively full. It's like uh, what I try to tell people is a retail store tour sounds like whatever it is to you. It could be actually even boring, uh, a retail store tour. Why do I need a tour of a store? But I use the analogy of a roller coaster. If I were to say to you, well, let's go on a roller coaster. But if I take you on a roller coaster, you'll know exactly how it is. So, for our experiences, you really you really need to experience a retail store tour the way we give it because um, it is so um, informative. That
0: sounds good too. I am wondering now because you've said the whole beta thing, and that's got me wondering because a lot of times on this show we'll talk to obviously we talk to marketers all the time, the very new experience, um, specifically among. Organizations that don't have retail, like financials are very into experience, but that's another story. The beta thing has me thinking, do you find that folks who are perhaps bringing brands into stores from direct to consumer businesses sort of know this kind of experiential stuff already and thus are just meshing well with a company like beta um, as compared to when they might do a store of their own? So um, I imagine that this beta, this 200 products are mostly these direct-to-consumer brands who are small businesses, the Adams portable podcast companies of the world. But then also we see that a lot of these brands, once they start to grow up a little bit, are making stores of their own and they'll have like one or two in the U.S. I mean, how do you think those are coming along? Do you think direct-to-consumer brands are doing it right from the start or do you think there's a way for them to continue to grow in
1: this way? You know, I think there's a way to learn and to grow. And answering your question, going back a little bit, I, as an executive, can read about artificial intelligence or AR and VR or the use of uh, location-based technology and personal tracking. but And those can be abstractions to me. But when I'm in a store and I see in three dimensions what's going on, um, I can't deny the trends. I can deny the trends or I can procrastinate on the trends because I intellectually appreciate them, but don't see them in action. When you're an executive, and again, we've had hundreds of executives and you actually see this and the executives talk among themselves as an executive team or these 15 strangers um, that are together for the first time discuss it. It becomes real and when things become real they're actionable. When things are abstract they can be procrastinated so I guess a, a kind of a way to answer it is that when the rubber hits the road you've got super bright people, intelligent people, leading billion-dollar organizations, when they actually see the world in real time themselves, they use that information to act. And uh, it's just, it's amazing. It's transformable, transformative. And um, it's actually, as I listen to myself, it's even hard to believe that something like this exists or could be true. But um, it is, it's repeatable, and it's been working since 2013.
0: How do people stay on top of all that stuff you just said, the ARVR, AI, all of this stuff, and of course, people could take a tour and see that. But I mean, what would your advice be? And and if the advice is take a tour with me, great. But I mean, what would your advice be for folks to stay on top of all that tech? As somebody who is leading that billion-dollar business with so much at stake,
1: the um, the best thing is to experience it yourself. I had a, a major um, uh, uh, luxury brand in Europe, and uh, the CEO, uh, the executive team wanted to get the CEO to see certain things. And so he and I just spent a couple of hours at Mobile World Congress uh, looking at AR, VR, and wearables. And I just let him – I did didn't—I let him experience things and then we were done. And then he went back to his team and said, why aren't we doing it? Why aren't we doing wearables? Why aren't we doing AR and VR? So it's just – there's something happen, happens, Adam, when you actually experience it, process it yourself, accept that it's real, and then you act on it. So it's impossible for – all the, object, all the uh, executives to stay on top of everything. But um, when you have highly curated, purpose-driven um, uh, uh, types of experience that connects people, then they make they act. When people feel it's real, and so what the tours do, it takes all the abstraction, all these acronyms, and makes them real. When you're in the Microsoft store and you are you have the AR glasses on and you're manipulating the universe, and the solar system and our next uh, companion to the solar system it's real. AR is, is it is forever real and when it becomes forever real, whether you're in travel or retail or, or government, it becomes a tool. So um, so you know we are we've been very successful for 200,000 years as a group building buildings and cities and doing all these great things because of our ability to sense the world. And we sense this world through through basically the five senses. So uh, anyway, I hope that's a, a somewhat uh, understandable explanation.
0: Yeah, just, I mean, to go out and make sure you're, you're experiencing this. I mean, to not just read about it, to not just listen to it. You got to experience it with other senses than just sight of words.
1: Right. And we, we narrate all of our, uh, so Hudson Yards is retail excellence. We're working on American Dream which is really the future of retail, which is a big, uh, a big facility opening up uh, by the Meadowlands. So it's very, very exciting. And you can tell from my voice, it's very energizing because when you are able to enlighten like thousands of executives, um, just with a short two, two hour, two day, uh, exercise, and you can see the, uh, you can see the impact on them personally and their businesses. It's, a uh, it's very, very energizing.
0: Let's talk about digital for a second. You just mentioned in the Microsoft store the, the innovations they have going on there and the AR things you can do. Um, how do you think are some of the best ways in which organizations are successfully meshing the digital and brick-and-mortar worlds to create a better consumer experience?
1: I think one of the best examples is uh, in Hanzhou. Um, there's a Fresh Hippo store. And um, what you do there is, there there's, it seems like there's no there's no boundaries in the uh, Chinese the Chinese digital world. So what you can do is you can actually each lobster is a QR code, and you can actually click on your lobster, send that lobster to the kitchen. So fresh Epo is first of all the place- it's a supermarket. Okay, got it. Yeah, and um, and so basically it's uh, one of the supermarkets from the Alibaba group. That uh, okay, yeah, and um, and so the um, you can click on the lobster, send it to the kitchen. The kitchen will will. Cook your lobster and then text message you when it's ready. And when you are ready, you could sit at a nice restaurant that's Wi Fi enabled, and uh, either have a great conversation or or share your lobster dinner with your with your social group.
0: Right, interesting. Yeah, you just scan a lobster.
1: You just, yep, scan a lobster and then basically send that lobster code to the the restaurant, which is right on premise. They pick up the lobster, they cook it for you as you wish, and right. then they text you when it's ready. And there's
0: just a, like a digital experience, I guess, to be had in the content that you could produce afterwards. That is possibly one of the least intuitive tech enablements I've ever heard of.
1: Well, there you go. But um, what's what's fascinating about the Chinese consumer is that they're so um, they are so facile when it comes to the use of, of mobile. they yeah. they're you know it, it's part of the customer journey. So if they have a question regarding, so for example. It, it, when you're in the um, the vegetable section mm-hmm. at, a, at, a, at a place called T11, which is in um, Beijing, you can actually look at where the, <laughs> the lettuce came from. There are applications where you can actually talk to a farmer about, you know, what kind of lettuce that you'd like him to pick for you, to send to you. So, um, it's the use of technology for, um, you know, it's very contextual. Yep. Because, uh, um, yeah, so they're using technology to, to take you f- from the beginning of the supply chain to the end point.
0: You think the U.S. has a lot to learn from that?
1: I think they do. Uh, I think the U.S. has a lot to learn. However, uh, the New York retail experience is really unmatched. There is so much diversity in New York. Um, we have eight tours right now that are running three times a day, and we could add another eight more. But yeah, I think what the Chinese market has is the um, is the complete acceptance of um, of uh, frictionless interactions with with digital technology so uh the idea of getting into a store paying for it learning about the product talking to the farmer um i believe that that's that's more advanced uh but it's behaviorally more advanced too right yeah.
0: in terms of what's changing in terms of uh, behavior consumer behavior gen- generally obviously you, you have to have identified in china that that Happened over time. What else is changing right now in the U.S. that you see with consumer behavior that folks should stay on top of when it comes to the experiences that they themselves build?
1: Um, I think that you know, kind of going back to the human DNA, um, we we've, we've been very successful, you know, through interactions. Even in the Chinese market, as advanced as it is, seventy-five percent of the retail is brick and mortar. So that that hasn't, you know, everyone thinks it's gone, you know, it's so far, but it actually, it's it's actually moderate. To me, the next decade, um, and I've been right about everything for the past 30 years, so this is probably a good point to listen to, but the next decade is not about technology. It's about experience, and it's about human connections. And um, those retailers that, that are betting the farm on experience and human connection are the winners. You can look at Sephora, which is a, one of the most profitable divisions of LVMH. Why is it that Sephora is doing so well? it's because they have their employees trained. Each Sephora employee is doing 15 minute quizzes every morning. They are they are so well trained. They have technology that helps with the experience. And um, you know, when you go into beta, going back to beta, I mean, these people are like ninjas for information and engagement. So it's the Training of the salespeople is the use of technology. In the case of, of of Sephora, where it really connects you, you go straight from your iPhone to the virtual visual artist to the um, to the virtual artist uh, place within Sephora. We actually put on lipstick and and uh, and and uh, eyeliner and so forth to loyalty. So they have the whole c- customer journey mapped. Um, and you know, if you look at stores like Neiman Marcus. Or the new Nordstrom beautifully executed wonderful experiences people who are courteous and informed and design that is really the state-of-the-art I, I was in um, Nordstrom last week and the week before and as I look at every best practice we have about ten of them they are scoring to the very top of the ten things that are important in retail today so it, do you have the what's the I mean I don't know if I put you on the spot, but I what are those 10? Well the, uh, the first is employee training because those companies that train their employees are, are are performing like suit supply, for example, when you apply for suit supply, you have to go to suit school. and when you go to suit school, you have to pass the exam. and if you don't pass the exam, you know become part of the suit supply. Um, the second thing is store design. So we were at the Gucci store on Worcester Street last week. And when you go in there, it's, it's a sort of a cavalcade of experiences. First, you're met by highly trained people who guide you guide you through the, uh, the experience. The third thing is the use of technology to take the, the customer journey from the customer into the store and then beyond. And Apple is brilliant, uh, beta is brilliant, and Sephora is very brilliant when it comes to this. People are, are just so engaged. The fourth is storytelling. And when you go into a brand, a very good example is M. which has one store in Hudson Yards. And those, those shoes that you see are made by Italian artisans who are in Florence and who are in Venice. So you actually get to see the bios of the people who are making your, your, your shoes. Um, data as a model is a good one. You know, we've got uh, Beta, but there's another uh, company called Drugstore and Dirty Lemon. And to give you a quick uh, overview, Drugstore is a place where you can get mocktails and you can get drinks, let's say, mango cherry. And if that mango cherry works as a drink, they put it into their vending company, which is called Dirty Lemon. And so Dirty Lemon is a place where they can actually monetize the research that's being done in the bar, which is called Drugstore. Well, it's probably no surprise that one of the big uh, investors in drugstore is Coke. So you know. So there you go. Right. Of course. And, uh, Data as a model. Right. So I can go on and on, and uh, as you can probably tell, I'm pretty good at that. But um, those are some of the those are some of the key factors. And when you look at financial performance, when you look at the store, and you look at the energy in the store, you'll you'll agree that these are the factors that are are winning in retail
0: yeah that makes sense yeah. that coke makes a sense i mean we had talked about it a little bit prior to this recording folks um you know Coke and that freestyle machine is like you know a brand that has no retail specific locations to speak of in coca-cola with those freestyle machines are really just they created a retail network of freeze of research taking advantage of data and all that stuff it's great I mean, so it a, makes sense that they would be investing in that dirty lemon thing
1: i mean coke's an amazing culture they they had the first SMS-enabled SMS, uh, SMS enabled vending machine in Finland in 1995, 1999,
0: I think. 1999? Yeah. The SMS was even, I guess that was a thing in 1999, I don't
1: know. Yeah, well, so they're just a fearless forward culture. Yeah. And uh, those are the leaders, the ones that take the, as Steve Jobs says, those are the risk takers that that, that uh, are, are out there on the edge. And and nobody, um, sometimes when people catch up to them, they realize how brilliant they were.
0: right. Seems like a pretty smart risk to be leaning into the experience economy over the next ten years, as you've noted. Um, I suppose what 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 I'm trying to tie this into is that like everybody that I've spoken to on this show, when I've asked them for advice on how to be a more authentic marketer, what do brands need to do to become more authentic? Everybody talks about experience, experience, experience. You just need to have experience. Well, you've seen a bunch of this different kinds of experience, different flavors of brands all over the place. What about experience and uh, makes it truly an authentic one as opposed to just a uh, spectacle.
1: What I tell pe- people is that of all those 10 things, we talked about five that make retail successful. If I had one thing to choose from, I would pick a blank store with the best salesperson in the world. That would be my number one choice because it, it's the human connection, we're human. And who can resist a baby baby's face or who can resist a smile? this is how we're how we're how we're made. So it's really the human interface that's probably the single most important thing in retail today. Um, store design is great and it's amazing, but if the human software isn't working properly, um, the experience won't be won't, won't be optimal. So it really there is no magic bullet. Um, it's hiring great people. Apple hires on kindness and uh, they also evaluate on empathy. So you've got to hire the right human software first and, and make it fun because you can buy anything you want in your pajamas. So there has to be a reason for you to get out of your pajamas, put your clothes on, and go into that store. And you had better be greeted by people who are nice, kind, informative, fun, and be in an environment that's a little bit different from you know cyberspace. Right, exactly.
0: So. So let's close out with a little bit on the tours then. Now we are here in uh in in the DC Metro area where I where I am based and I'm glad that you were uh, having to be in the area uh, yeah. for some very important things. But um I'm curious what what ambitions you have for the tours over the next couple of years. Now you're very heavily based in New York, but um, are you going to branch out from that? I mean, right. surely people need to see this everywhere, not just folks who are in New York.
1: Well, thank you. And so the retail the the the, the retail tourist store tours has been really Feedback driven. So the reason why we decided to go six days a week, three three tours a day, was because of the feedback we got from the retailers saying that you know, they're in New York for a day, two days. We wanted to have a regular, predictable program. So that's again, we built our business on feedback. But we do store tours in Chicago, in Los Angeles, in San Francisco, in Miami, in Dallas. We just did our first um, uh, one in China. We did Shanghai uh, store tours with uh, with Procter and Gamble. Um, we've done them in Barcelona, in Madrid, and Paris, and London. So we're looking to open next year Dubai. We're working with a partner on Rome and Milan. And uh, we want to take this to the, the retail centers of the world. Um, one thing I've realized, and this may be a little bit of New York prejudice, but New York is unmatched in terms of retail. There's so much diversity. I mean, we were walking in Soho last week, and we saw a Spotify Halloween pop up. And we asked, well, how long are you here for? And they said 24 hours. So, you know, last October I was in Soho and I saw the Google hardware store. Google making hardware? They did. And they opened a store for a month. So uh, to your earlier point, what you can learn is you can gather much more data um, f- from the physical interaction that, um, that's actionable. Got it.
0: Interesting. Really interesting. Well, I, I, you know, I look forward to hearing everything that happens with the tours going forward. And, um, you know, for all this insight on all the different brands that you that you're aware of and what makes experience and retail and being authentic. Great. Thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure, Adam. Thank you so much to Dan Hodges from Retail Store Tours for joining the podcast today. A bit of a different experience for me, but certainly a very important learning one. And I'll keep an eye out for those multi-sensory experiences while I'm shopping on Black Friday. Yes, I do go to the mall, so I'll learn a bunch and see a bunch. So thanks for teaching me how. If you like this show, if you've been liking the interviews I've had over the last couple weeks, here's what you can do to continue listening to them. Of course, subscribe wherever you are listening right now iTunes, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave me a rating and review on those forums. It's great to have that public show of support. And we are also on LinkedIn, Authentic Influence Podcast. Go give that a follow. It's also where we have content related to the podcast, and coming very soon, some content ancillary to that. So keep that on your bookmarks. I'll be back again on Monday. Y'all know the deal with another fantastic interview with another great brand striving to become more authentic each and every day through mobilizing its masses. And until then, and for Authentic Influence, I've been your host, Adam Connor. Have a great Thanksgiving weekend, and you'll hear from me again next time.